ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News breakdown. Well, it's never a good look for a minister to be at loggerheads with his or her department. And it's particularly worrying when the portfolio involved is defence with huge procurement expenditures of taxpayer dollars at stake. Earlier this week, uh, as reported in the Financial Review, an Australian National Audit Office reveals that delays for major defence projects have cumulatively blown out to more than 37 years. I know. And defence chiefs are increasingly hiding how late some multi-billion dollar acquisitions are running because it could, quote, damage national security. Uh, Stifle cynical laugh. Defence Minister Richard Marles asserted that defence had a way to go before achieving excellence. And with growing concern around Chinese military activity in our region, there's new emphasis on getting procurement and other defence priorities right. Well, in Parliament, Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie, herself an army veteran, says she doesn't think Defence Minister Richard Miles is up to the job. She says Australia lacks the equipment and a number of defence people it needs to protect itself. I do not have confidence in Richard Miles as Defence Minister. I do not believe he is the right man for the job. Um, I, I, need, I need to make this very, very clear. When you are... De- dealing with the top end of defence, you're either going to let them know who's in control and if you don't do that from the time you get in, then they're going to walk all over the top of you and that's exactly what they're doing. Jackie Lambie. Well, joining us again for Nightlife News Breakdown is Ron Meisen, Ron's a senior political reporter with the Australian Financial Review, uh, covering politics and economics and business and law. Ron, good evening to you. Welcome to Nightlife. Good evening, Philip. Good to be with you again. Well, your colleague Andrew Tillett had something of a scoop of this, didn't he? He's been digging into the tensions between minister and department. There are a lot of issues here. The latest, which seems to be government pushing ahead with plans to spend $5 billion on US-made Apache Army attack helicopters. This is despite the US military curtailing their own helicopter program, saying lessons from the Ukraine and Russia meant that uh, drones are a better choice, particularly, I think the phrase is swarming drones. Defence does sound to be in a, defense does sound to be in something of a mess, is it? I mean, look, it seems that every day there is either some new delay or some new complication. We've had frigates or ships that are too fat for the ocean. We've had helicopters that sort of don't work properly. Um, We've had sort of purchasing of ships that supposedly aren't right. We've had purchasing of helicopters where we should be buying drones. I mean, these things always come with an element of... Um, of, of belief about what should be there, right? There's always going to be those in the defence community that say, oh, we should have this, not that, or we should have this particular thing and not that particular thing. And, and look, you know, let's, let's be real, sometimes those people have a perhaps have a connection with um, uh, a particular defence manufacturer, shall we say. Um, but, look, this is an absolute coup of a story that keeps on rolling for Andrew Tillett. You know, last week he broke this story that uh, Richard Miles had given a dressing down to the top brass mm. of defence um, just last, or sorry, late last year, uh, and indicated to them that he wasn't very happy. And, and w- what we've certainly been told is that the uh, the view is shared by defence top brass. Um, this comes, of course, as, as Andrew Tillett, or sorry, as um, Richard Miles has to consider um, who's going to become the new chief of defence, and, and with that usually comes a bit of a shake-up of the leadership overall. Um, but yes, Philip, I mean, the, the ANAO report that came out, um, 37 years behind schedule cumulative um, and, and massive blowouts. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that something has to change. Um, uh, you, you alluded to the, the excuse, shall we say, that, uh, that people are keeping the, certain things secret because of national security, but these do actually have really 
significant national security implications if we mm. don't have ships for the Navy, helicopters for the Air Force. Well, exactly. I mean, get, getting on, I mean, I'll ask you in a moment as to whether or not this has always been so in defence, and maybe that's true, but you know, this does seem to be out of the ordinary. I mean, concerns about the $45 billion future Frigas project. I mean, the eye-watering cost of these things, the release of the major projects report reinforces concern that uh, that these frigates are not going to be ready expected the ahead of the expected release of review into the whole of the navy surface fleet by the end of this month yeah and i mean look you said 45 billion the initial cost was 30 billion hmm. um so a massive i mean what's 15 there. billion between friends i mean for heaven's sake well exactly and i mean uh, perhaps philip one might draw a connection between the fact that um you know, at one stage, I think they estimated that half of the Department of Defence's uh, staff were contractors. Mm. Um, you know, questions around turnover. There's, I think, there has been questions for a long time about the effectiveness of, effectiveness of the Defence Department, its ability to implement these massive projects, and of course, as I think we've spoken about before, their incredible reliance on consultants and outside sources, um, who it's really in their best interest to keep these things rolling on for as long as possible. Um, I think Richard Miles has a really really big task ahead of him but history shows that defense ministers that are at loggerheads with their department don't tend to last very long um no now jackie <laughs> lambie has made the very astute point there that you either assert control over the, the the brass very quickly or they tend to walk all over you um i mean perhaps it's coming out now that uh, perhaps the, the the attempt to assert control is being rebuffed or perhaps it's an attempt to assert control after being walked over. Who mm. knows? Um, but hopefully we'll see more of more of that reporting in the coming weeks. Yes, d- delay. I mean, things have got worse under the Albanese government. Uh, delays for defence's 20 biggest projects, what's called in the, in the uh, game as schedule slippage, have gone from 405 months in 2021 to 453 months in 22-23. And the average delay is at least 25 months, according to the report. What's the feeling in Canberra? That is, is Miles on top of it or, or, or not? Look, uh, the Prime Minister has certainly backed in Richard Miles, um, has come out in support of him and come out in support of his sort of stern comments about uh, what's happening in defence. I think it's, you know, important context, and this is not to defend Labor in any way, but, if, you know, we are... Uh, what, two years, just under two years now into uh, the the government um, and some of these projects have been going on for 10, 15 Mm. years. Um, I mean, the the case in point uh, really as well, the ultimate example of this kind of shocking management over a very long period of time is the replacement of our submarines. Uh, We have submarines, uh, several of which are always sort of not available for duty because they can't get the staff or they're not uh, you know, in, in good service, um, and we have a project to replace them, which is taking decades and decades. At the point where some of these submarines will be half a century old by the time. Well, we haven't even agreed. Out. We have not even agreed on what the submarine is. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I think we've agreed I mean, on the laughable. rough timeline. It's laughable. It it's laughable. We've we've agreed on a so-called timeline, which will never be met. But we haven't even agreed on what the submarine actually is. Are we, you know, apart from, are we buying a couple of off-the-shelf Virginia-class submarines? That well, maybe. But what's the submarine that we're supposedly helping to build? No one knows, including the government. Exactly, and and I think you know that that 
that issue is still being worked through and frankly needs to be worked through mm. very quickly. I look, there's a, there's, a, there's a thing to be said perhaps, and this is often one of the reflections that's made in Canberra, is that perhaps defence is often looking for perfect at the enemy, you know, as the enemy of the good. Um, uh, but also at the same time, maybe you want perfect with defence projects. Um, I don't know. Mm. I've, I've never had, uh, never served, and so I guess the the question becomes, you know, do, do you want something that you works a hundred percent of the time? Um, probably. <laughs> just one project. Just one project on time and on budget. <laughs> Look, this um, is Canberra. <laughs> don't be silly. Uh, let's, let's move on to to the uh, the world of doxing, which I'm sure for many listeners they would say, what. What is doxing? It got the the word doxing, D O X X I N G. Doxing got plenty of use uh, in Parliament this last week. It's it's to it's to do with the practice. Doxing is when you you publish a person's private and personal details online. You publish their name and their address and their home telephone number and where they work, uh, usually with the intent of causing mischief or malice. The government, the federal government's moving to criminalise the practice, aren't they? Yes, that's right. So this obviously comes after that um, report of uh, a 900-page WhatsApp transcript, um, being uh, which was sort of of a, a group of Jewish writers, artists, musicians, and academics. Um, uh, that WhatsApp transcript was was leaked uh, by some pro-Palestinian activists. Now, when that was leaked, it was accompanied by a spreadsheet that contained the names and some personal details um, of almost 600 people who were sort of said to be as part of the group's membership. Um, although we have seen some stories that suggest that some of those people weren't. Um, now. You know, this was this has resulted in some some adverse consequences towards some of those members. We've sort of seen situations where members of the group have um, had you know uh, pro uh, Palestinian stickers placed on their shop windows, and they've they've felt the need to move, um, as well as some graffiti placed on other people's um, premises. And uh, Mark Dreyfus sort of surprisingly um, came out uh, this morning. And the reason we say surprising is because there was sort of no indication that this was in the pipeline, uh, but came out this morning and did a press conference and made very clear that the government um, would move to outlaw this practice, um, which is where, of course, you know, as you say, you're identifying uh, and providing public information or private information about these people. That's right. Um, And, and I mean, look, it's, it's, I think it will be, it will come with a bit of criticism. The fact that this is, uh, you know, rush laws often tend to have errors. So I think there's already a question around, well, you know, if, why did the government not sort of announce that it would do this or implement a process for this? It just came out and said it would do it. Um, I think there's some criticism around that. But ultimately, and we've seen some pretty bad examples of this practice over the past year, uh, and this will simply give uh, the, some powers to be able to force people to take things down. Yeah, this is uh, the Attorney General Mark Dreyfus on doxing. The recent targeting of members of the Australian Jewish community through those practices like doxing was shocking, but sadly this is far from being an isolated incident. Yes, the opposition says it, uh, it agrees, essentially. What we have seen in relation to the targeting of Jewish Australians as part of an overall rise in anti-Semitism has been horrific. Uh, and action to ensure uh, that people are not targeted due to their faith is absolutely critical. Yes, that's the uh, shadow foreign minister Simon Birmingham. Mind you, there's an old uh, old expression in the, in the law, um, Ron, that hard cases make bad law. You've got to be careful here that you're not 
uh, I mean, journalists in particular will be careful about things that criminalise the release of information, which is, after all, publicly available. People's name, address and where they work are publicly available information, by and large, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that you know there are certainly some views amongst people who have uh, been involved in the sharing of this mm. information that this group was, uh, you know, was was act, act, sort of forming an activist network, um, which they say was sort of moving against people who had spoken out at pro-Palestinian events. Um, so clearly. Uh, you know, there's some would argue that the simply making those individuals and what they said public uh, itself is not an issue. No. It's the question, I think, of the spreadsheet, which then perhaps identifies uh, home addresses, details. Uh, I know, but where does problem. it stop? Where does it stop? Well, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's part of the issue that's being raised now. Uh, and the question, you know, that Mark Dreyfus has sort of announced this, but released little detail. And I certainly think that some of the um, the media organisations, the free speech organisations, the Human Rights Commission, for example, will probably be looking at this very closely to make sure that mm. it doesn't have adverse impacts. Because as you're right, I, it's actually one of my favourite sayings, um, you know, hard cases make bad law. Um, uh, because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's... I mean, we all agree, you all agree in the current case, in the current circumstances, that's not very, that's not, that's not great. But well, you've got to be careful about what you're doing when you create a law like this. Yeah, certainly. And, mm. and, and you know, what, I, I mean, the, the, the perfect question, what constitutes private information, um, if the private information is simply already available online, then it's released in a, in a, in a form, uh, constitute the, uh, doxing. I suspect that will all have to be worked through. Um uh, and, you know, it will need to be worked through pretty thoroughly and hopefully it won't be right. rushed. <laughs> you know it will be, but then again. All right. Um, on to another one. The ATO GST fraud case. Interesting investigation concerning the tax office. The tax office have said about 150 of their own employees, uh, members of the tax office, that is officials of the tax office, have been investigated over their links to a massive GST fraud. What's going on here? Oh, it's an incredible story. Uh, look, uh, I'll shout out, you know, again, another one that the AFR broke back in August last year. This is the TikTok, basically, there was a, a meme going around on the social media platform showing people how if you registered an ABN um, and created a business name and then submitted a GST form, you could get a bunch of money back because the ATO wasn't wasn't doing adequate checks. Um, now, the cost of that GST uh, fraud hit $4.6 billion by mid-year last year, including $1.6 billion that had been paid out. Now, the uh, audit office again has, has investigated the uh, ATO to say, you know, what's going on here? Um, and it's it's sort of been revealed that, uh, yeah, as you know, 150 officials investigated um, uh, and, and 12 terminated or facing criminal charges. Uh, you know, a really significant breach, uh, really, of, of trust here, um, but also of just basic standards. How is it that so many people, we're talking... Um, an estimated 57,000 perpetrators um, who were able to simply lodge fake GST claims and get it back, and it took years mm. to notice. Uh, well, clearly, if there's 150 officials who are being investigated... Who are in on it. Exactly, exactly. So, um, I mean, maybe the ATO need to get on TikTok. Dear me. All right, yeah, no, that could see, it's, a, it's a shocking story, actually. Um, meanwhile, and finally, the, the Bruce Lamb and Brittany Higgins black hole... The saga. Uh, well, saga. It's it's like a it's like a, a black vortex which is, sucks in all those who come near it and destroys the reputations. It seems of almost everybody who comes near it as well. Uh, what's happening? There are three, or no less than three, different legal matters in three different states at the moment. 
and, and we still and, don't and have a, and we don't have a decision in the Lehman defamation case yet anyway although we may do by the end of March apparently Yes, that's right. So two concurrent hearings today, one in Canberra, one in Sydney. Um, it was the, the first day of the former Director of Public Prosecution, Shane Drumgold's attempt to overturn the findings that were sort of negative about his handling of the uh, the Learman matter in the Supreme Court and the ACT. Um, he, of course, is, you know, the, the findings of that inquiry were that he was proper to bring the prosecution but made some scathing remarks about his conduct in the case and he sort of um, soon after that departed Parted the the ACT DPP, um, so he's trying to have those overturned. He's made some remarkable allegations uh, in the in the hearing today, effectively saying that um, the case had been or that the the hearing had been infected um, by journalists, um, and that uh, you know he had an apprehended or an apprehension of bias towards Mr. Drumgold before even uh, he had hit the stand. Mm. Um, so it's a pretty amazing allegations being made there. Um, so, you know, that's going to run for a couple of days now. He's fighting for his career, I think we could safely say here. Um, you know, if these uh, findings are overturned, that probably helps him go on to... Yes, otherwise he, won't be, otherwise he won't be, won't be working in the legal capacity again, you'd think. No. You'd, you'd think exactly, yeah. And, um, you know, I think the ACT Bar Association is kind of keeping a close eye on all of this. Uh, and certainly I think Mr Drumgold will, will is, you know, fighting for his future here. Uh, but in Sydney, of course, uh, what the, the case that we thought had kind of come to a conclusion, which was the uh, the defamation case by Bruce Learman against Channel 10. Now, he, of course, settled against, um, I think, the ABC and, and News Limited and other matters. Um, but uh, we, we, had, we thought the case was over. And then, of course, Lisa Wilkinson, who had her own lawyers during that period, uh, cross-claim basically sued Channel 10 for costs, somewhere estimated to be in the range of potentially $700,000. That case was heard today. Uh, and again, some pretty remarkable things said in court. Basically, uh, Lisa Wilkinson making clear that Channel 10 had given her legal advice that the speech she gave at the Logies in 2022, now that was the speech that was blasted by um, the ACT Chief Magistrate and forced a delay in the Learman matter, uh, you know, uh, she was basically said that that speech had been ticked off by TEN's legal team and, and the highest management. Uh, and, you know, that, that she says, uh, means that she felt she was doing the right thing and, and basically said that she didn't feel backed by Channel 10. So some extraordinary, mm. uh, you know, events coming out of, uh, out of Sydney and Canberra. And as you mentioned, a third matter, which is still on foot eventually, which will be the, um, the, the you know, Linda Reynolds, the uh, former Defence Minister's defamation case against um, uh, Miss Higgins' partner. Um, well, she's so- leaving Parliament, isn't she? She says she's resigning from Parliament, but she's not resigning from this legal action. Well, maybe she needs more time, uh, perhaps. I, I don't know, but certainly mm. uh, she has announced that she is leaving Parliament um, and uh, but certainly hasn't announced that she's dropping that case. So mm. um, she's, suing, uh, so. she's suing Brittany Higgins and her boyfriend David Shiraz, isn't she? That's correct, yeah. That, and that's mostly for social media posts um, that they oh say to Oh, my gosh, I'm um, telling you. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty amazing to think this. You know, this. Uh, I mean, so the alleged incident sort of took place in, in March 2019. The, the the matter went public in 2021. The case was 2022. And, and look how many look how many people's reputations have been destroyed here. Of course, extraordinary, yeah, extraordinary. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it seems it's only the lawyers that are um, the, that are benefiting.
<laughs> it was ever thus, Ron. It was ever thus. <laughs> All right. Always great to talk, Ron. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Have a good evening. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.